you can tell the entire story of this night in just two chalices. A tale of two chalices. And these two cups come on one night, just hours apart. Let's look first at the cup Jesus drinks. After dinner on this night, when Jesus had finished praying, he left with his disciples, crossed the Kidron Valley, and on the other side there was a garden where he and his followers often went to pray, and they went there that night. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Then he, according to the Gospels, withdrew about a stone's throw away, knelt down and prayed, and here was his prayer, his one and only prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. Jesus cries out to his father, take this cup, take it away. I don't want it. He doesn't even want to hold it or look inside it and definitely not sip from it and not drain it to the dregs. Face down there under the moonlit shadows of olive trees, Jesus wrestles for his life. He's so overwhelmed that finally, quote, an angel from heaven appears to him and strengthens him. And being in anguish, he prays more earnestly, and his sweat is like drops of blood falling to the ground. After three long times of wrestling in prayer, and now a wash in bloody sweat, Jesus stands up. He hears a noise, and he sees lights coming from the distance. Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. He'd often been there in prayer with Jesus. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the religious hierarchy. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Peter seized those weapons, and so he had a sword with him and took it out and struck the high priest's servant, trying to kill him, but obviously the servant named Malchus ducked, and Peter got his ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Jesus is now willing to drink from that cup. And he names it the cup of suffering. What allows Jesus to finally say yes? I think what allows him to finally take the cup of suffering is that it is being handed to him by his Father. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? 
So, unlike somebody who has not accepted the cup of suffering, he doesn't need Peter to protect him with a sword. He doesn't need Peter to draw blood. He's now willing to give his own. In taking the cup, it's not the suffering he wants. He never wants that. But what he wants is whatever the Father has for him. Throughout his life, the Father has had for Jesus blessing, favor, joy, the anointing of the Spirit, calling, courage, prophetic speech, and so much more. And now the Father is handing to him this cup, a cup called suffering. Well, how quickly that suffering starts, the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrest Jesus, they bind him, and that begins a long, sleepless night of false accusations, of being stripped of his clothing, spit on, and tortured until ultimately Jesus is left dead the next afternoon, stiffening when a soldier pierces his side with a spear through the pericardium and into the heart and out gushes a flow of blood and water. This is the cup of suffering. It's the one that Jesus drinks rejected and alone. The second chalice that tells the story of this night is a different chalice. It's the one that Jesus gives. He fills this other cup and hands it out just two hours earlier in an upstairs room where when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said this to them. He said, I've eagerly desired to share this Passover with you. Jesus is under increasing stress. He's in his early 30s, and he knows at any moment that one of his friends can and will turn him in. The conditions are right. For weeks, the chief priests and teachers of the law have been sending people to challenge him, badger him, question him, catch him doing something reportable and something actionable. The place is right. Jesus and his friends have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And from the Hebrew scriptures, Jesus knows that most prophets get killed in Jerusalem. And the timing is right. It is Passover. When every Jewish family brings a lamb to be butchered for their Passover meal, and John, his cousin, once called Jesus the lamb that God provides. This is Passover. It's going to be now. And under this stress, what is it that Jesus wants, really wants? He says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. That's what I want. When uh, Karen's mom was dying of cancer, she said this. She said, I just want one more Christmas with you kids. That was all she wanted. 
And bless the Lord, she got a, got a Christmas. And Jesus feels the same kind of longing every single year of his life since he was born. He has waited for this springtime celebration of how God saves his people. But this Passover meal means extra, for he says, I won't eat it again. I know that. Until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, knowing that it's his final Passover, cannot wait to eat this meal with them. You eat the Passover with your family. And his family are these 12 people. They've done everything together for three years. It's been like roommates and travel companions for three years. And when you travel with somebody and you room with somebody, you really get to know them. And at the Passover Seder, as they recline there at the table in that upstairs room, there are several cups of wine. But the final cup, the cup that comes at the conclusion of the feast, is this one. And Jesus does something a little different. He takes that cup of wine. He gives thanks to God for it. He gives it to them. And they all drink from it. And while the taste of wine is still fresh in their mouths, Jesus says, this is my blood. He turns the burgundy of wine into the crimson of blood. Why blood? Because every covenant with God is ratified by blood. And Jesus says, this is my blood of a new covenant. It confirms that there's going to be a new covenant between God and his people. This is poured out for you. It's a sacrifice for many. Starting right here in this room with the 12 of you. The Bible says in one place that Jesus knew what was in each person. And so he is handing this cup of wine, knowing that it represents his own blood, to a friend who will betray him. Who will soon utter, who has already uttered these words, actually. How much will you give me if I betray him to you? Jesus could, at this point in the meal, just point out Judas and go, that's the guy. Get him. And 11 guys would jump him. And that would end the process. But instead, Jesus feeds Judas the honored bread dipped in the sauce. It's the bread of honor. And then he washes his feet. And he has this cup for him. Next, Jesus hands the cup to a person who within hours will deny three different times that he's ever even heard the name Jesus or knows him. And Jesus tells him on this night, Simon, I've prayed for you. I've prayed that when your faith falters, that you will come back and strengthen everybody else. Then Jesus passes the cup to two of the three people who will fall asleep when he begs them to stay with him and pray. At the time he needs them most, they snore away. 
And then Jesus hands this cup to every other person sitting at the table, all of whom will abandon him. Except perhaps John. And what is in this cup that Jesus gives to them and to each one of us? He says, this is my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for many. It holds every drop from the cup of suffering that will be shed starting later that night. The blood of Gethsemane that oozed from his pores. The blood of Gabbatha from the crown of thorns punctured into his scalp. The blood of Golgotha that rushed in a sudden flow from his side. This cup fulfills the words of the ancient prophet. He was pierced, why? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the new covenant, the new and better covenant in which God declares, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This cup is handed out to people who don't deserve it and never will. Some churches have uh, explained Paul's words, examine yourselves before coming to communion, to mean decide if you've been good enough lately to be able to receive this. And so many folks being taught that are often tortured in their conscience as they consider, I blew up at my friend. I, I said I would never do that. I've done it. I haven't had devotions in weeks. But don't you see that this meal works the opposite way? It's not for people who deserve it. It's for all of us who know we don't. Do you recognize yourself anywhere at this upper table? Are you doubting? Often, this cup is for you. Are you feeling, yeah, but my sin is habitual? It's, it's I repent, I swear it off, I do it again. Jesus hands this cup to you. Are you prayerless? <clears throat> Falling asleep while Jesus prays. This cup is for you. Have you done something that no one knows about? Jesus knows. And he hands this cup to you. Jesus solves the problem of our betrayals and our denials and our abandonments by inviting us to a feast and then handing us a cup of forgiveness. Yes, this whole night can be told in two chalices. Jesus drinks the bitter cup of suffering so he can hand us the sweet wine of forgiveness. He drinks down death so he can hand us the medicine of immortality. He drinks his cup alone, abandoned and rejected, but he gives us this cup to form a new community of the unworthy and the grateful. Here, we are welcomed 
We are named, we are honored, we are fed, and we are given this cup beyond all cups. I invite you tonight, come to this table, eat this feast. It's one that Jesus eagerly longs and desires to feast with you. Come to this table. It's the only place in the world where you and I find forgiveness. Michael Card sang this. Come to the table he's prepared for you. The bread of forgiveness. The wine of release. Come to the table. Sit down beside him. The Savior wants you to join in his feast.